Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. My guest today is Catherine Soman, a corporate and marketing communication expert, director of corporate communications at Metro Health Plus, and a twice NYU graduate. Yay, Violet Pride. I met Catherine when she was the director of communications and external affairs at Health Plus, and they were the underwriting sponsor of New York One's Scholar Athlete Program. Feels like a hundred years ago, back when I was director of sales at New York One News. And thanks to the miracle of social media, we have been able to stay in touch. Welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. We can catch up and do a podcast at the same time. So I always like to start with asking like my guests, where are you from? Now, do you mean geographically where am I from? Um, I am a Dutchess County girl. Yes, I am. Um, Dutchess County. In fact, I'm probably going to die about three miles away from the place where I was born, believe it or not, because I also have a house up in Dutchess County. But I am a New Yorker. Uh, my family for many generations uh, was in the Hudson Valley. Um, so it's a place that I love. And um, New York City is just sort of the, the mouth of the Hudson River. So happy to be here. There, I, bet, I bet you a lot of New Yorkers would disagree with you at, that they're at the mouth of nuts and whatever, but you know, <laughs> right, I, right. I do like, I do like that explanation. So, so many of us start out in one direction and then we wind up going someplace completely different when we were first asked that question when we were kids, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I certainly have gone in a different direction. And I know that's true for you also. Can you talk about how you wound up in corporate communications and PR? Oh, yeah. You know, I think it's a very interesting question. Um, I am from a big family and um, my siblings are very talented. And when I was a very, very, very small child, I used to think, well, what distinguishes me from them? And I used to say to myself, well, you know, I can think and I can write. And that made me feel that it was my specialty. So even though I've taken a bit of a circuitous route to get here, I always felt that communications, the ability to edit, to write, um, was something that was clearly very natural for me. So ending up in a communications field, which, by the way, does tend to be uh, skew female, um, not surprisingly, um, seemed very natural to me, even though, it, again, it was a circuitous route to get to where I am now. Yeah, it's it's interesting, too, that you talk about those two things, because I think writing and presenting and thinking are skills that they're hard to teach. You can teach them, but I think they're sorely lacking in, in our society right now. But maybe that's just me. Well, I'm, uh, my father was an executive with IBM for a gazillion years, and he always said that the one thing you really needed to know how to do was communicate. And mm -hmm. if you have a background, um, and he wasn't talking specifically about what we mean as communications, but he was saying that to know how to write, to express yourself, to communicate in clear ways is one of the chief ways that a person makes their way in the world. You know, so yeah. I'm 
I'm very happy with the decisions that I made in my career. So PR has changed so much since the advent of social media. Can you talk about that? Well, you know, it's, it, that's, it's almost impossible to even, I mean, where do we draw the line? It used to be pretty clearly delineated. This mm-hmm. was PR, this was advertising, this was marketing. I think today it's, they're, they're all braided together. And um, right now, I think that in the end, at the moment, everything is digital, including social. I think that right now, all PR, all marketing, um, even social, it's really about just digitally getting your messages out to people. Um, so I think that it used to be, I mean, for example, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I used to work for Trinity Church Wall Street, um, and I worked there when September 11th occurred, right? Wow, 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 wow. Um, and, you know, Trinity Church, um, it's one of, it, it's a massive organization. I mean, it's a huge um, real estate industry. Um, it had a grants program. It has the church. It had a television program studio. Um, it had a bookstore. It had a children's daycare. So it had so many different components to it. And one of the things that was so interesting is that when uh, the towers came down, going back to the whole idea of PR, advertising, et cetera, there was really very little that we could do to communicate to the community. So it was really like you took you know, full page ads in the local newspapers, which were pretty much destroyed at that time. But today, there would just be so many different ways that we would be able to reach people and we would not, we would be able to target demographically, um, you know, go in and send things to people's phones, to people's tablets, um, such a different approach. And so PR is no longer very distinct from advertising or marketing. I mean, it's just become a, uh, how do we get our message about ourselves out um, yeah, yeah I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we, for so long, we kind of tried to keep everything in silos, and we can't do that. It's really impossible in today's world to keep it all in silos. It, it really is. But not, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, wow, it's going to be 20 years in September, since September 11th. I know. Incredible, right? Incredible. Yeah. It's really, it's hard, it's hard to believe that that's another anniversary we'll celebrate this year. Or not really celebrate, but acknowledge. Right, we will mark it for sure. So what do you find yourself focusing on? You talked about this. Can you talk more about this aspect of digital, what you focus on the most when you're plotting your PR strategies? Um, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. Um, right now, I think that one of the, there's something so both simple and direct about targeting people just, you know, socially and digitally, just being able to say, for example, we were doing an event um, uh, for Lunar New Year. We were doing it at um, one of the hospitals in Queens. Um, We wanted to target individuals. We wanted to look at people who lived around that facility. I mean, keep in mind that, you know, in the last couple of weeks, there weren't a whole lot of people that wanted to go visit a hospital for any reason. (laughs) I think it was a free food distribution, right? So now you're saying to yourself, we need to reach people to let them know that this is happening. In the old days, what would we have done? We would have run print ads. Mm -hmm. Now you're saying, you know what, do we need to do that? Why don't we just go digitally? based on income, based on zip code, various other demographics, you can target so much more uh, 
carefully the, the, the group that you want to reach. And I don't think that that was something that people could do as, um, it's almost like, I'm sorry to use this term, but it's like precision bombing. <laughs> really are saying, hey, we know exactly who we're getting. Exactly. So you're really, so, so it like kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, not having silos. You're really using exactly what any marketer would use to get your PR message out there, even though it's not, it's, it's part of what is considered public relations these days. Right. I mean, I do the, I do the advertising, I do the marketing and I do the PR um, for my organization. So that's kind of interesting because of course they all overlap, but now they overlap I don't even know if overlap is the right word. They're, they're almost inseparable at this point. You know, you just decide, um, well, I mean, am I, sending, am I sending this as a press release, right? But even that, I mean, it's all digital, right? I mean, the difference when, you know, you're um, calling up people to ask them to cover your event. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it, it's really very interesting. I mean, it's really made everything, I think, so much it's so much easier to do it. I think the question, though, is there's so much more of it than there used to be. That the the challenge is how to make sure that what you're messaging actually has an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can drill down, again, precision bombing, and get almost anyone, any cohort you're looking for. But the question is, are, since they're probably getting all kinds of other things delivered through their phone or, you know, on, on their tablet, um, in a text message, however it's coming into them. I mean, th- we're competing in a way that I think we wouldn't have competed before. So it, right. it, it's the messaging becomes even that much more important, I think. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. It's really what are you going to pay attention to? It's, you know, what they like to refer to as a thumb stopper. You're scrolling on your phone and is um, is this message going to have me hit my my thumb on this so that I actually want to pay attention to it as, as you're going through the, the multi. And then, of course, also, do, do you do a lot? You must do a lot. Do you do a lot of paid advertising on social? On, on, do you do a lot uh, yes, of we, Yes, we do a lot of both digital and, and paid social. Yes, a lot. Um, and it's actually, it's, I mean, it's a, um, it's very successful. I mean, it's just a great way. I mean, and, you know, of course, the other thing is, um, and you'll know this from your background, of course, which is like an incredible background in terms of how advertising worked and how it worked in broadcast, is it's so trackable. Mm-hmm. Check, okay, how many people clicked over to the website or how many people clicked and got to that phone and from that phone call, how many people filled out a form or whatever it is. I mean, so I think it's, I mean, it's, it's really, it's so amazing to see where we are right now. Um, But I think that the thing that I keep in mind always is to go back sort of to what my father said is it's really about the communication skill right? Because you can hit anybody with anything now, but are you hitting them with something that's going to work? You know, mm-hmm. and that's interesting challenge. I mean, that's what, what makes a, um, a great campaign, right? Like what really worked, you know, when you're saying, wow, I mean, because, you know, we can, I mean, almost anyone can isolate the demographics now, right? There are plenty of places you can go to, to purchase them or whatever, or you know how to do it yourselves. But, um, is your message actually working? It's the interesting thing. Yeah, it goes back to 
it goes back to what the content is. Well, what I would say, it's interesting because when the pandemic hit, um, uh, for a company like ours, which is, I mean, we have a, a multitude of different types of plans, commercial, one for city employees, but we also have a huge portfolio of Medicaid, Child Health Plus, other government-funded health insurance plans. And what we saw, of course, with this economic meltdown, so many more people in New York City became eligible for our products. So now you're saying, okay, there is a huge need out there. How do we reach them? How do we let them know? Maybe before, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never been on Medicaid, right? I haven't either. I don't, I wouldn't, except the fact that I work with Medicaid, I would have had no idea what that means. Who's eligible? What What does Medicaid provide? I mean, Medicaid is probably um, one of the finest health insurance plans that you can be on. You know, it's a really, great, oh my gosh, it's a great product. Yes. It really covers everything you're going to need, you know? Um, so, but who would know that if you don't work in this industry or haven't been on it before, right? So the other thing is most people, if you've never needed public assistance, which so many people found themselves out of work, who had been used to being out of work before and lost their health insurance, it, it's sort of like, what do I do? So we were really doing a lot of digital and also, interestingly, cable TV, because everyone was watching the news. <laughs> it was happening, you know? So we were just really out there letting people know, whether it was on their phones or watching MSNBC, that things are so different now. You need to take another look at what kinds of health insurance might be available to you. So that was a good example of it was an incredibly important message that many people didn't know existed. They didn't know these kinds of plans existed for them. Right. And it was just the timing was let's just get that message in there. And there was like tremendous growth um, in our plans. Um, really? And that's, I think for other um, uh, health insurance companies that that also offer the kinds of products we do. But you had to let people know, you know, people who were not accustomed to applying for government and health insurance that now it would cover them. And, you know, that was a, a wonderful thing, because in the middle of the pandemic, the last thing you want to be thinking about is, do I have health insurance? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah. So, I mean, that was that was a fascinating moment. Um, and a, for us as a company, um, a huge shift in how we viewed what we did. I would say before that there was more print, there was more radio. Um, this just it was just sort of like, how direct can you be? Very, very direct. And quickly. And, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. quickly. The so, first insurance company to be out on, on TV to get the message out. So do you have you is most of your content then very educational? Is that kind of how you're getting your message out there or is it what are you doing? Well, I think it's I, I, yes, to some extent, but I think it's I, I would describe it maybe as aspirational, you know, which is you really just saying like, I mean, I think that that. I think every, most people, I mean, again, especially in the pandemic, people were terrified. What if I get sick? I mean, um, who? I mean, if I need a medication, if I have to go into the hospital, who's going to pay for this stuff? Or even just the interesting thing is quite a number of people, um, especially younger people, if you don't have health insurance, you probably don't even have a doctor, right? Because you probably haven't needed one. You know, you go to a, you know, 
an urgent care center if you have, a, you know, a UTI or something. So people suddenly, I think their perception of, of what they might need was rapidly changing and they had no idea. And that's where a health insurance company comes in, which is, you know, we are not just a claims payer for people, but we're people who are really saying, hey, let's set you up with a PCP. Here are some of the kinds of things that you want to get done with your health insurance, these kinds of screenings or, you know, whatever it is that we think a person needs based upon who they are um, in, in, you know, sort of in their journey. Um, so people, I think, really needed a lot more guidance about what to do to kind of have a safety net for their health in the middle of the pandemic. You know, the kind of what if. Um, yeah, yeah. As you're talking, I'm like, wow, I can't even imagine not having a doctor um, because I come from a long line of hypochondriacs. So I think from the time I was able to get my own doctor, I had one. <laughs> So it is, but it's, but it's true. I mean, a lot of people don't go to the doctor unless they're sick. They don't, there's no preventive health care that's on there. Hopefully that'll change after this pandemic. People will start to work on their immune systems and things like that. I'm, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think some people will, and I think massive amounts of people, especially younger people, still will not. And also, you know, sorry for any men out there who are listening, but I think also in general, men, you know, are, are, are still probably less likely to think this is something I should do routinely versus mm-hmm. this isn't, this is a crisis and I need to do something about it. You know, right. you know, traditional, like usually right. kind of, yeah, this guy's kind of, you know, I think people have to look at it as the way they would look at their car. You know, you have to go in and have it checked every now and then to make sure it passes inspection. <laughs> and there's nothing really, there's nothing really critical that has to get repaired. <laughs> I mean, exactly. That's something really always they hear, you know, they can ignore it or they can check it out. So, so healthcare itself, did, did was there a, a, a digital adaptation to the industry itself beside the, the marketing and, and, and PR part uh, of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we did, we accelerated, we were in the middle of launching a 24 seven, what would be free to our members telehealth program. This predated the, uh, the pandemic, but it just oddly coincided with, you know, basically where we are right now a year ago. So we accelerated the launch and put this out there. Um, obviously we, I mean, a lot of our membership, not all, but significant um, amounts, I mean, hundred, maybe, you know, a hundred, 150, 200,000 of our members, they are really amongst, uh, New York city's most vulnerable citizens. Um, they have multiple comorbidities. They are lower income. They come from communities of color. Um, they have a lot of issues. Um, some of them we have at any given moment, we may have as many as, 8,000 homeless members. Wow. Men, women, and children, sadly. Okay. So we're constantly working on all these things to sort of, you know, to really deal with the social determinants of health, to try to connect our members with food banks, connect our members even with permanent assistive housing. We've done a very good job of finding permanent housing for our homeless members. But when the pandemic hit, we really were looking at everything and saying, my God, these are, you know, couple hundred thousand people who are in their homes do not know where they're going to where their food is coming from some of them are not in their homes they're in homeless shelters right 
And it was really just, okay, how do we reach these people? And so, of course, yes, there was the traditional phone calling, but there was a a tremendous amount. We we partnered with um, Amazon and did this great interactive texting program. Uh, The telehealth, the 24-7 telehealth, we launched that. And we uh, our vendor did um, traditional marketing, email and direct mail to our members to say, hey, you can sign up for this program. It's free. This is great for you. You can visit and get, you know, a doctor's visit. Both it's it's regular sort of, you know, um, the kinds of things you'd go to an urgent care center for, pink mm-hmm. up, uh, you know, UTI, uh, sore throat, that sort of thing. But also therapy and even psychiatry. Okay, so in the pandemic, like in the pandemic, was probably a really good thing to have access to, right? From your home, from your phone or your tablet. So the vendor did the traditional work, you know, direct mail, as I said, email. What we did was we did texting to our members, and the texting was phenomenally successful because Mm -hmm. you text on your phone and it would tell you, Hey, you know, you can visit a doctor now for free 24 seven, right from your phone, click here to register. And it sent them right over to register. Wow. So things like that. I mean, we, according to our vendor, we enrolled the most people they've ever had enroll in any of their programs like this so quickly. Um, No, obviously the pandemic played a role, but Mm -hmm. The, obviously, for me, it was the it was the delivery systems we were using. You know, it's just if if you're going to use your phone to call anyway, and it comes right into your phone, and all you have to do is just click right. register, and then you can go off and call a doctor. You know, and get and get whatever help you need. I mean, pretty incredible stuff. So really, for us, it was this. Um, I think I was, was I saying this to you? I was, I thought we were, you and I were talking about this. Um, I feel as if um, prior to the pandemic, we were on one edge of a big puddle, all of us. I mean, the digital transformation, it was already happening. Um, We knew it was happening, but somehow the pandemic pushed us to leap across the puddle. We're on the other side of the puddle and there's no going back. Yeah, I have that. You, I did not. You did not tell me about the puddle, the puddle analogy, but I like that, and I agree. I think, I think what would have taken us ten years has taken us a year, and we're not going back. And you know, we're not going. I mean, there's certain things that I want to go back to, like being sitting and having dinner with someone in person, and, and just more of that in person social interaction. But um, I, I don't think we're going back on a lot of that. So, what do you think about the whole telemedicine? This is the first time I ever had any televisits with any of my doctors was during the pandemic. I mean, literally one doctor wouldn't, I needed to get a COVID test and wouldn't let me, I couldn't register for it to go get the test without having a televisit first. Um, I, I, I believe that telehealth, um, I think it's going to be so important. I think it already is that important. I mean, it doesn't, there are certain things you're, you know, you, I mean, I'm just going to take a wild guess that you're not going to do your gynecological exam. <laughs> right? um, there, are, there are some things, you know, you, you, you're not going to be able to do remote, but there are so many other things that you can. So why would we not? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think, um, I think that's another thing. I was surprised our telehealth vendor had explained to us that actually the majority of people do not sign up for a telehealth program. They don't, you know, most people, 
sort of you get the mailer and, and I, I confess I'm guilty of this too. I've never signed up for the telehealth program that my insurance company offers me. Okay. Um, not because of any reason, but because I just haven't done it, right? So you'd think that everybody would go, oh, you know, wow, let's sign up. Au contraire, they do not. It's really a very difficult thing. You have to keep massaging these people to get them to recognize, okay, this is great. So, of course, the pandemic has changed that. Um, but there are obviously a lot of things you might not want to do remote with a doctor, but so many other things make perfect sense. And I think it makes sense for the, for the business too. I mean, must be, maybe it'll help us reduce costs. Um, you know, the things we worry about all the time about these like exploding healthcare costs. Um, and the being able to talk to people that maybe have an expertise that you wouldn't otherwise be able to speak with because they're in Boston, for example, but somehow you get that person. And, you know, so, I mean, I think it's, I think that telehealth will be, that's again, we're, we're on the other side of the puddle. No, I agree with you. I, I, um, now everyone can know I had a colonoscopy, my colonoscopy recently and the follow-up visit was on, was a televisit. And there was, I was fine. Right. My, my, my test results were perfect. I don't have to see her in 10 years. And, but the follow-up visit was on, was, was, was through, through the, through the video thing. And that was fine. Because it was less effort for me. I didn't have to leave the house. And it was really just to make sure that I got everything that she told me after the, after the, uh, well, after the procedure. from the anesthesia. I, I think the great thing to think about with that is to think about all the people who, who don't follow up with. Mm-hmm. And also, in some ways, most especially people who, who don't follow up with mental health issues. You know, I mean, imagine having agoraphobia and then saying, well, I've got to get myself together and go out and see my therapist. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, I mean, there's so many things. I think um, the, the bringing care to you um, is is just become be, just become part of the way that we think about things. I saw this article about how in Italy um, prior to the pandemic, even young people, they did not shop online. The, the trend was, I mean, of course, some did. In general, in Italy, people would love to go to the supermarket with cash and do their shopping every day. Right? They did not buy online. So then when they went into that huge lockdown, they started using Amazon and other services like that. And when they uh, opened the restrictions, they found that a lot of Italians were saying, you know what, this is so great. You know, so it's it's changed the way um, people shop in Italy, you know, and that is something that, you know, people are like, oh, I'm not shopping online, you know. So, I mean, I just think, um, as you said, who we can't know yet um, what's really changed permanently, but we know that a lot of things and a lot of people have changed um, tremendously from this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I still think that there's going to be, there'll be a combination of online and offline, but we're much more ready to say, well, I don't really feel like going to the store for that. I can just order. I, you know, I still like to go to the food store. I like to pick out my own, my own fruit because they never seem to bring back what I want when I do it online. But there's so many other things that are just, just simpler. And, and I think that also it crossed the generational divide. Um, it wasn't just, you know, there's this, that stereotype, 
stereotypical idea that only young people were doing this stuff digitally, which I found anecdotally not to be true. But you saw that you know older people had to get with the program, so to speak, um, and get more get more comfortable with using these tools because we had no other choice. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, it's interesting. And in, in what's nice about that is how it, um, even though a lot of the, uh, the generations were often separated during the pandemic because of the fear of, of illness, but in some ways we were um, brought together, you know, because we, we were really using the same technologies and we were actually struggling with the same things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether, whether it was not like working from home or going to school from home or, you know, so that, I mean, I, I wonder whether some of the traditional um, stereotypical differences between the generations have been um, softened a bit by the pandemic. It'll be interesting to see, right? I'm sure someone's going to do some research on that. So that's actually a good a good segue because I wanted to ask you personally how you have handled this last year. I can't believe it's been a whole year, but it's been a whole year. I'm so crazy. I know. You know, I have to be honest. I I've thought about this sometimes. Um, it's very similar to the 2008 2009 economic meltdown. Um, I have I have a government job, and actually, going back to September 11th, it's very similar to that. Um, I was not, even though I saw the tower come down and I, you know, so many people that died and so many businesses that went out of business and everything else, I worked for a company that owned huge swaths of lower Manhattan. So we did not go out of business, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was not economically impacted by September 11th. Um, my family and I, we were not economically impacted by the, you know, the, the Lehman Brothers meltdown, um, and we were not impacted by this. And in mm-hmm. some, it, it's almost a feeling of um, not guilt, but I, I, but I, it's hard for me even sometimes to really try to understand what other people were going through, you know, because we didn't lose our jobs. My son is at Bronx Science. He's um, in, incredibly focused on, on school. For him, this was easy. You know, the transition was easy. Um, so we didn't have any of those kinds of things. But my mother-in-law did die um, from COVID. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, you know, she was going to be 91 and she had already had some kind of issue. And it was a good example of that she was going back and forth from um sort of like nursing care where they were giving her these transfusions and then she would go home and we kept saying, you know, she's going to get COVID and she did, but she went very quickly, which was good. And she went on her own terms. But other than that, it's almost felt surreal, you know, because we haven't paid those prices that so many people have. No, I, 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 I agree. I agree. I, I was I was fortunate that I could pay my rent and I had a job and I had income coming in and 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 that was not um, that was not true for for a lot of people. So I've, I have one more is one more question that I'd love to ask you. I always like to end my podcast with this. Um, there's no doubt that there's a lot of marketers and communication types listening to the podcast. So I'm curious what you think one needs to be most effective in today's environment. Positions. 
It could be more than one thing, too, if you'd like to tell me more than one. You know, I, I think this is probably true for any any job, even including an undertaker. I think you have to really love what you do because you will any job you do. It's going to there are going to be moments that there, it's boring or even the things that you actually dislike doing. But if you really feel passionate about um, for me in my job, I'm a marketer. Right. But. I really see my job as my job is to is to let people know whether they choose my company or not to let people know that there is there's a resource available for them out there, you know, basically free or low cost health insurance. You know, so I look at my job that way, you know, so all the different things that I do, it's really to try to push out that message. I'm always delighted when they choose our plan. Okay. But that's not even my primary goal in some ways. In the back of my mind, it's um, it, I'm performing a service, right? So that's my passion um, in terms of the work. And then the mechanics of what we do, if you love the mechanics of what you do, like if you love to write, if you love to edit, if you love to create social posts, um, if you love to do media planning, you know, which I happen to love, okay? So I know you <laughs> Um, so it's just, I, I think it really comes down to that. There, you're, you're never going to love every minute of what you do. It's mm-hmm. like under your wife or your partner, right? Even your children, you'll never love it every moment. But if you love it most of the time, like really love it, get that excitement, then you're in the right career. I could not agree more. I think we've sold people a bill of goods that, you know, you have to, and I believe in doing something that you're passionate about, but you're not going to be passionate about every aspect of what you do all the time. And sometimes you can find that you thought you were passionate about it and you don't really like the mechanics of what goes on in that particular genre. So um, really lovely, lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Joanne. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note. Info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember... Whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there. <laughs>